Well, about three years ago, when Julie and I moved uh, here to Weatherford, we bought a house or bought a lot to build a house, you know how that goes, and then lived in a house while they were building this. And it was great when they built the house because we were at the end of a cul-de-sac and nobody else was in that neighborhood yet. It was great. Well, fast forward three years, houses are going up everywhere in our neighborhood and they're about to finish, I think they're about to finish out the neighborhood. And one thing that happens in, in our neighborhood is that you, you get this gift when you move into the house. They build on your lot, and then they leave about four-foot-high grass in the back because, you know, they don't mess with that part by the time you're building. And I know uh, when I moved in, I didn't have a lawnmower that would handle that type of stuff. And so my neighbor behind me, who has a horse farm, brought his tractor over and did my yard, and I was so thankful for that. And then in that time, I've been able to get a lawnmower that can handle some of that stuff. So we had some neighbors moving in this week, and I opened my big mouth, right? Hey, do you have a lawnmower that can handle that? No, I don't. Well, you want me to mow your yard for it? Oh, that'd be great. Um, I was like, oh, okay. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. I was like, all right, I'll be glad to do that. And so I get out there on the lawnmower yesterday, and you've got this grass. Literally, you're driving on the lawnmower, and you're looking at the grass right here, and we're taking that. But... On my way over there, um, I noticed there's this one spot, you know, you got the tall grass in the back, and that really is not the problem. You just have to go over about 15 times with the lawnmower, finally knock it down. But then as you got to the front, it was that spot where they've been building the house, you know, and there's dirt everywhere, and they've laid stuff out, and there's grass that's there, but there's dirt everywhere as well. And the first time I went through it, now I don't know how many of you know this, I got pretty good allergies, and so... When I do this stuff all the time, I'm thinking, that was dumb, but that's okay. So I'm, I'm mowing the yard, and I come up to the front, and you take the first big turn, and the wind's blowing, and it's just like this huge cloud of dust, and you're coughing, and you're spitting, and you're doing stuff like that. And I'm mowing, and the whole time I'm mowing, I'm thinking this, well, do I really need to do that part up at the front? Because it just bothered me that I, you have to go through this dirt every turn, and you know, there's like a little piece of grass over here, I really need to go get it, but I I figured this out along the way, you've got to get in there halfway, can you? You, You've got to, you've got to get in there, and you've got to get this done. Now, by the time I was through, it it was just nasty, I'll just say it that way, but you're getting the Q-tips, and you're going, oh, wow, oh, wow, It's it's everywhere, there's just dirt everywhere. Um, I, I left clothes in the garage and just walked to the first bathroom and started hosing off. When I took my watch off, it was just, you know, just dirt, glasses off, dirt everywhere. I'd called Julie. I said, can, can you come help me? I don't think I've ever been this dirty mowing a yard. It was just everywhere. But there was a point along the way that I decided that if I'm going to do this job and I'm going to do what I said I was going to do, I have to go all in. I, I can't just halfway do that. I mean, could you imagine? I mean, the guy shows up and I go, hey, I mowed your yard, but just over there, because this was like dirty, and I'm not going to do this over here. And, and, then I ju- and then you'd have this yard that just looked awkward, you know? And so there's some point along the way where you have to decide, no matter how dirty it gets, no matter how hard it is, no matter how much you really, quite honestly, might not even want to get in there, there's a certain point in time that something has to flip Even in your walk with Christ that you say, I've got to go all in. And even though it might not be exactly what I thought it would be, just a stroll on the mower with the iTunes on mowing and going, this is great. That you've got to say, hey, I'm going to do this. 
And so to make an impact, to make an impact, I must be all in. That's the point today. And so I want to talk today about what it looks like to be all in. And we're in Acts chapter 18. You know, we have been praying And we invite you to join us, set an alarm, 431 every day, either once or twice for you, whatever that day looks like for you. It's once for me, just to let you know. Set that alarm, and what we've been praying is the same thing that's in Acts 431, is that God would fill us with his spirit and that he would give us boldness as we speak his name in our community. And so this is what we see in Acts chapter 18 is that we continue to follow the story as the the people who are becoming believers are going out and they're speaking the name of Jesus. And they're going out into the world and they're filled by the Spirit and they're sharing with other people. And they just realize somewhere along the way that you're never going to accomplish your goals by halfway doing anything, right? And many people I have run into, many people who who truly want to follow Jesus until... (laughs) And you can fill in the blank there, right? I really want to give my life to Christ until until they come across something that they may not really want to do or until they come across something in Scripture where they go, I didn't know that that's what this meant. Or until they discover something that they think is embarrassing or something that they think. Now, here's the one for us that most of the time that we run into in our, our culture. Until they run into something that they think that doesn't apply to them. Well, I understand that's in the Bible, and that applies to most everybody. But not me. My case is, my case is unique. You see, that's the, that's the trick in our culture right now. We live in a time where, honestly, we're, we're kind of brought up and taught in a way that right and wrong is just relative to the, to the person, and rules are relative. And so in that line of thinking, that line of thinking that, well, not everything applies to me, it will keep you from experiencing the full life that God has you. For you. You may think that, well, things are good enough, but God is constantly calling us to something more. No matter where you are on this journey of faith, no matter whether you've not even taken the first step to come to know Christ, or whether you've been walking up and calling us to something more, constantly urging us and calling us to take another step and calling us to something more because He wants greater for us than we ever have wanted for ourselves. But To get there, we're going to have to go all in. So how do we do that? Let's look at some examples from Acts chapter 18 and into chapter 19. We're going to start in verse 23. This is about Paul. It says, after spending some time there, he set out, traveling through one place after another in the region of Galatia and Persia, strengthening all the disciples. And then in verse 24, we meet Apollos. It says, now a Jew named Apollos, a native Alexandrian, that's key, An eloquent man who was competent in the use of scriptures arrived in Ephesus. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and being fervent in spirit, he was speaking and teaching accurately about Jesus, although he knew only John's baptism. He began to speak boldly in the synagogues. Does that sound like anybody we've run into in Acts? Just like Paul, he begins to speak boldly in the synagogue. And after Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they took him aside and explained the way of God more accurately. When he wanted to cross over to Achaia, the brothers and sisters wrote to the disciples to welcome him. And after he arrived, he was a great help to those who by grace had believed. For he vigorously refuted the Jews in public, demonstrating through the scriptures that Jesus 
is the Messiah. We go on in chapter 19. It says, while Apollos was in Corinth, Paul traveled through the interior regions and came to Ephesus. He found some disciples and asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? No, they told him. We haven't even heard that there's a Holy Spirit. Into what then were you baptized, he asked them. Into John's baptism, they replied. Paul said, John baptized with a baptism of repentance, telling the people that they should believe in the one who would come after him. That is in Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they began to speak in other tongues and to prophesy. Now, there were about 12 men in all. Paul did what Paul does, right? He entered the synagogue and spoke boldly over a period of three months, arguing and persuading them about the kingdom of God. But when some became hardened and would not believe, slandering the way, which is what Christians were called and Christianity was called at that point in time, slandering the way in front of the crowd, he withdrew from them taking the disciples and conducted discussions every day in the lecture hall of Tyrannus. This went on for two years so that all the residents of Asia, both Jews and Greeks, heard the word of the Lord. Now, that was kind of a lengthy passage with a lot going on, wasn't it? But we wanted to use this passage today, wanted you to notice this, because there's a lot of people and there are a lot of things that are happening at this point in time that I think demonstrate what it means to be all in with our faith and how God continues to use people to make us and to shape us and how there's always something more to discover. There's always a next step to take. There's always something else that can be done. And I love the picture that we see at this point in time that the word of God is spreading and that people are anxious to hear about it and eager to teach about it and want it in their lives even though they don't know everything that there is to know about it. And I think so many times of how often we tend to maybe shy away from sharing our faith just out of fear of going, well, I, don't, I don't know what they're going to ask me or know what they're going to say or if I'm going to be able to answer those questions. And yet here's these people just eloquently and boldly teaching the faith even though they don't know everything about it. I think it's an encouragement for us. And in addition to sharing the gospel to those who don't know Jesus, we also see some different types of instruction happening in this passage for those who do believe in Jesus. We see that Paul started right there in verse 23 that he, he went out to people simply to encourage them. You know, and there's the truth that sometimes as believers we just simply need encouragement. We simply need someone to come alongside us and say, hey, keep strong in the faith. Keep up what you're doing. Hang on to what you have. Keep going. And that's what Paul was doing, strengthening the disciples. And we see that there's a different type of instruction that happens at times. There's some people who are, who are true believers and they're, they're following God, but maybe some of the doctrine or some things about following God or understanding some things that they don't really have a grip on or they haven't been taught these things and they don't understand these things like Apollos. We see Apollos who was eager to teach and eager to be up and share in the synagogue, but there's just some things that he just flat didn't know about the faith. Just didn't know. And he loved the Lord. He, he believed in the Lord, but there are just some things he didn't know. He didn't know how to handle. And so he was taught those things by Priscilla and Aquila. And then we see others that just have no understanding of the gospel at all, like the disciples of John, 
They just, they just didn't know. They didn't know anything about Jesus or the gospel, yet they're, they're following John, and they're still looking for the Messiah. And then Paul comes along and says, hey, you know, John was telling you that you need to repent and be baptized and look for the one who is coming. Let me tell you about the one who has come. And so then they receive. So we see this happening all the time. So that, the big picture that we need to get here as we begin to look at this is, first of all, is we don't know everything that there is to know. And, and we can study this from now until the time that we're no longer on this earth, which I hope that we do. And we're going to constantly have the ability to learn and to grow in our faith, to hear from others, to get instruction from others. And there's parts of this that are difficult. And we realize that one of the things that Paul is doing is he's out and he's sharing. If we go back to Acts 15, I know some of you may not have been here for this part of the, the message series, but in Acts 15 there was a, there was a real discussion that was going on to say, okay, how are we supposed to follow Jesus? Because the Jews had rules and regulations and a system that was set up that said, this is how we follow Jesus. But all these people who were coming to know the Lord that were not Jews, they were like, well, how are these people supposed to follow Jesus? Are they supposed to become like Jews? Are they supposed to do it a different way? Long story short, they decided that there are just a few things that we need to do so that we can have fellowship together. But the Gentiles need to follow in faith with Jesus Christ by the grace that we are all saved by, not by these rules and regulations. And so that's what they came up with, and that's what Paul is out delivering. But we also know from this story that there's others along the way that didn't like that decision and who are following Paul everywhere saying, no, what he's saying is not true, and you need to do things this way, and this is how you follow God. So can we just say it's confusing at times, isn't it? It's absolutely confusing at times. And we live in a world right now where people ask questions all the time. Well, why do Baptists believe this and Methodists this and Catholics this and non-denominations, which is a denomination, believe this and, you know, Assembly of God this. And what are the differences and what's going on? And it can get confusing at times. And so we need to understand that there's something that we can learn from everyone all the time about the faith. That the gospel, you see, when we come to know the Lord. When you reach that point in your life that you say, I, I want to acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, it's, it's like God is constantly moving toward his will on a straight line. It never changes. God is in control. But yet our life tends to go whoo, up and down. And there's some times that, that first point that we intersect God, it's like we come into this big picture that's been going for quite some time. And our life intersects with God's will. And it's that this, we know about this much about God's will at that point in time. You know what I mean? It's been happening long before us. It's going to happen long after us. But we just, we've just happened to come in this contact with this. And then what it means to be a believer is almost like this picture of our life constantly going like this and hopefully narrowing down to continue to find God's will. We tend to get off track and overcorrect and undercorrect and overcorrect and, and, and we... And hopefully, by the time we get it down, it looks like this, you know what I mean? Instead of constantly looking like this, wandering away from God. And, and this is the picture that we have that's going on here, that people are, are looking for God, and they're coming at it from all different ways. And there's parts where we come together, and we discover together, and we see that God's leading us in a direction. But we have to go all in to see that. We can't just say, I'm going to take this piece of it and that piece of it, and I like this and I like that. No, and this is the example that we see that's happening in this passage. So let's look at this a little bit more. To go all in, here's what we need to understand. The first thing that I need to do is I need to learn to ask questions. 
I need to learn to ask questions. Set foot in First Baptist Church. There's a lot of weird things happening, aren't there? I mean, like, why in the world did they sing those songs? What does those things mean? Good night. They stand up and they sit down and they stand up and, and they pass this little plate around. What is that for? You know, and then what is this guy up here talking about? And how long is he going to be? Because what, you know, all these type of things, it's, it's just new. And you have to remember that. And you need to learn to ask these questions. And, you know, I'm probably going to say some words because I have, I grew up in church. I became a believer in Christ at the age of six. And I have been in ministry since the age of 16. I'm now 27. And uh, so it's been... Been, I'm 47, and so it's been, you know, quite some time that I've been walking with Christ, and some of those things just sink in, and you begin to say words, and you don't even think about it. You don't, sometimes you don't think about the fact that you're talking about stuff, and people go, I don't know what you're talking about. And so here's what you need to understand. You've got to ask questions. And this is what's happening along the way in this passage. I, I'm not going to read them all, but just look, past, look back through that passage, especially the part where Paul was encountering the disciples of John, and look at all the questions. Hey, did you know about this? No. Did you know about this? Hey, did you have this? And, and they're coming together. They're, they're learning and they're understanding together. Now, here's the other thing. You don't just ask questions one way. You need to learn to ask questions about yourself, to yourself, as well as to others. You need to learn to ask questions to yourself and discover where you are on this journey of faith. You know, or am I someone who's just trying to find out about these things? And if that's where you are, that's great. That's where you need to be. You need to ask questions that are appropriate about discovering who God is and what he's all about and, and what Jesus has done. And, and you need to ask questions of yourself about, say, about what, what am I looking for? What do I believe? Why do I feel the way that I feel? Why do I think the way, do I think, the way that I think? Where did those things come from in life? You see, so often we don't go down that road. We just think that we have this thing that happens to each and every one of us. We grow up thinking and feeling a certain way. And if we don't ever question some of those things, then we just believe that, well, everybody thinks and feels this way. And the news should tell us differently, right? Amen? Especially over the last few weeks, not everybody thinks and feels the same way. And so it's good for us to ask questions of ourselves. I'm telling you, as a believer, one of the greatest things that happened to me was when I met Julie, and she had come up in a different faith. And I wanted to date. And she kept asking me, why do y'all do that? And I would go, I don't know, because everybody does that. You know, no, we haven't ever done that. And there was just a, a great period of time when I went through discovering, is this really the way that I want to live out my faith? And, you know, is this what I believe? Is this how I want to do that? And, and working through those things together and coming to that, it was a wonderfully rich and important time in my life. And I would encourage you to do the same things. Ask questions of yourself. And then ask questions of others because I'm just going to tell you, one of the greatest things is listening to the gospel through the lens of someone else's experience. You learn so much. You hear so much. Yes, ask questions of scripture and other things as well. But man, when you get to talk to the person sitting next to you or the person sitting around you, maybe someone you've never had that conversation with before, and you're able to just say, hey, tell me about what it means to walk with Jesus with you. Tell me about a difficult time that God saw you through. Tell me about a highlight of following Christ in your life, and you just stop and listen and learn. The gospel begins to go from this little intersection point that you had, and it just begins to grow, and it gets bigger and bigger, and you see how God works and moves in the hearts and the lives of people in so many different ways, just like we see in this passage. God is at work in so many different ways from so many different angles, and he's coming 
and meeting people exactly where they are. And so we have to learn to ask questions. And then obviously that leads to the next thing here to be all in. We need to learn to listen to others. Listen to other believers. So I want to point this out. I mentioned as I was reading it that it was important. Apollos was from Alexandria. Alexandria at that point in time was kind of like the smartest place in the world. It had a big library. There was a lot of education that was happening there. And so when they point out that Apollos was from Alexandria, more than likely they're pointing out that Apollos was an incredibly educated man. And you can see from the story that Apollos also had an ability for public speaking, and he had an affinity to be able to teach people and debate and do things. So Apollos was probably a pretty upstanding man, probably pretty intelligent, very comfortable in front of people. But this is what I love about the story. But his knowledge of the gospel was incomplete. It wasn't necessarily that it was wrong. It was that he, he didn't know the whole picture. And so you get this little story here of Priscilla and Aquila. Now, you met Priscilla and Aquila a while back. They're tent makers by trade. So you have this eloquent, educated man from Alexandria who's up teaching and refuting people in the synagogue, pulled aside by a couple of tent makers to say, hey, let me tell you some things that you might not know about your faith. And I love that picture because we need to learn to listen to other believers. It doesn't matter how many degrees I have after my name or initials I have or whatever, I can learn. From somebody else. And usually what stumbles, what we, where we stumble on this point, and it's a phrase that I say all the time, it's not what we do most of the time, it's how we go about it that, that really ruffles people's feathers sometimes. You know, when, when you choose to just ignore all respect of a person and just treat them like, hey, you know, you're bothering me, you're in my way, you're wrong, you're out, you're on these things, then that, that really communicates something about your heart and about what's going on in your life and how you think of them. At that point in time, and if it was just about, oh, that person's wrong, I'm, I'm not even going to listen to them anymore. But that, that wasn't it. It says in the story that they took him aside. Priscilla and Aquila, after they heard him, took him aside and explained the way of God to him more accurately. I love that picture. Because it was one of respect. It was, it was one of love. It was one of saying, hey, can we just get together and talk about something for just a minute? I, I want to tell you what I've learned, and I want to hear more about what you've learned, and let's, let's come together. And they learned to listen there. And because of that, then we get this story of Apollos, that while Paul is off in Corinth, it, Paul traveled through the interior regions and came to Ephesus, but Apollos stayed there and taught. And when you read, when you read the further letters that Paul writes in the New Testament, you hear Apollos mentioned. As a matter of fact, there's one point in time, Corinthians, where some people, Apollos would apparently became such a strong teacher that some people had this, well, I follow Apollos, well, I follow Paul type attitude. It's kind of like, well, this is my favorite preacher, well, this is my favorite preacher. And those preachers were going, yeah, it doesn't really matter. Because what, what was said at that point in time is, look, Paul planted the seed, Apollos watered the seed, but it's God who brings the growth. And, and God would have never been able to use Apollos had these little tent makers not pulled aside this educated man from Alexandria and said, let me explain to you some of the things that have happened along the way. But it also wouldn't have happened had he not had his heart in the right place to be able to listen to other people. Can I just tell you something? There, there's, you can take that lesson anywhere and just realize you can learn from anyone at any point in time. God can use them. And, and even, even though it might not be presented in a way that you think 
is even relevant or good. It really is a reflection of your heart, whether you have an attitude of listening and being able to learn and take things in. And so we need to learn to listen to other believers. Many, many times we just don't take that next step of all in in our faith because we don't want to listen to anybody else. I don't want to hear what they have to say. You know, they've done this wrong or they treated me this way or they, and I just don't want to listen anymore. And we kind of, you know, protect ourselves from all those things. But if we're going to be all in, we have to realize we've got to learn to listen. And when we listen, it brings us to the last thing here is that we, we can learn continually. We can learn absolutely continually. You do not have to know it all before you can take a next step in your faith. I mean, you look at Apollos' example again. He was sharing and teaching the faith even when he didn't know all of the story. And so you can learn along the way. You can start with what you know and what you understand now. And I promise you, whatever you know and understand right now, I need you to listen to me on this, God has been calling you to take. Right now is absolutely enough for you to take the next step that God has been calling you to take. You, you don't need more information. Sometimes we have analysis, uh, paralysis by analysis, you know what I mean? We're on these people, and you need to realize that you have everything. So just give me, and sometimes it's, it's just God saying, no, you take that step, and you need to realize that you have everything that you need right now. If you have been a person that has been struggling with saying, you know, I'm trying to figure out what, what it is about God and, and what it means to have a relationship with Jesus Christ, can I just tell you something? You've probably done enough with your head. Now it's time for you to go all in with your heart and say, okay, God, I've studied this all I can, but I realize I'm not going to see it all until I give you my all. And that's the step that God may be calling you today if you've never come to faith in Jesus Christ. You're not going to figure it all out. Now, I say this all the time because it's something that God's taught me recently from a question that somebody asked me and, and, and from some listening to this person along the way. And here was the question they asked. They said, you know, you seem to be so logical about everything in life except when it comes to faith. And then it seems like you throw logic out the window. And I said, well, actually, I disagree with you. I don't throw logic out the window. I take logic to the next level. Because if I absolutely believe that there is a creator God out there who loves me, who created all things, who knows more about all things than me, then the absolute most logical thing that I could do is do exactly what he tells me to do, even though I don't understand it. Because if I say that I have to understand it all before I take that step, then that means that, God, I need to have the same mind as you. And then if I have the same mind as God and know the same mind as God, then I don't need God, right? But it's very logical to say that there's something greater than me out there. There's something bigger than me. The world does not revolve around me, and so I need to take a step of faith in this direction. And so the absolute most logical thing that I can do is to say I acknowledge that there's someone who's greater than me and give him my all in my heart. And so if you've, been trying to been, if you've been trying to come to God just simply through figuring it all out, I would encourage you, take that step of faith and give him your heart today. And then I would just challenge you with this. Is I know that there are many people in this room that are like me, you've been walking with Christ for a long time. Can I just encourage you by telling you this? You haven't figured it all out. <laughs> and neither have I. And God's continually calling you to take that next step. And it may be just like you're mowing that yard going, yeah, I don't want to go over that dirt part. I'm just going to stay out here where it's fun and it's easy. Don't let me go over there in the dirt. We'll be okay. But God's going, I've got a greater life for you if you'll come and mow over here. 
if you'll come and do some things over here, can I just encourage you to say, take that next step with God. Continue to learn. Listen to those that are around you. We can learn a lot as believers by listening to people who don't know Christ. Can I tell you that? We can learn a lot about our own faith, and we can learn a lot about how to love on them and share with them if we'll just listen to them. If we'll just absolutely listen. And so God's calling you to something more. Don't be scared of taking that next step. So I just want to encourage you and close with this question today. How can I take a next step toward greater? How do you take that today? What is it for you? What does it mean for you to go all in? How do you take that next step toward a greater impact today? I would love to hear the stories in the coming days and weeks of how you chose to say, okay, no, no longer am I going to wait. I'm not looking for more information. I'm just trusting God and I'm taking this step of faith today. That doesn't mean, okay, I heard the message and now I'm going to make a six-month plan to take the note today. What is it that God's been calling you to do? It, do you need to give him your heart and your life? Then you can take that step today. Do you need to go love on someone else? Do you need to volunteer or serve someone? Do you need to love on your neighbor do you need, whatever it is that God's telling you to do today, can I just encourage you, whatever it is that he's calling you to do, I promise is the greatest thing that you can do, and you need to do that today.